Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 19th of September. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1630, when the Welsh-born poet George Herbert was ordained a priest in the Church of England, spending the rest of his life as the rector of a rural parish in Fuggleston, St. Peter, just outside of Salisbury. He had been a student at Trinity College, Cambridge, and had moved smoothly through the typical stages of academic success, earning a BA and then an MA, obtaining a minor fellowship and then a major fellowship, and increasing responsibility as a tutor and lecturer, until he was made a university orator in 1620, a position of great prestige within the university that was often a stepping stone to a successful career at court. The orator was the spokesperson for the university on a variety of occasions, speeches and writing letters, and he had attracted the attention of King James I, serving in the Parliament of England in 1624 and then briefly in 1625. After the death of King James, Herbert renewed his interest in ordination. He gave up his secular ambitions in his mid-thirties. And now famous for his poetry, during his short-lived life, he was noted for the unfailing care for his parishioners, bringing the sacraments to them when they were ill and providing food and clothing for those in need. He died of tuberculosis at the age of 39. Born into an aristocratic family, which was famous for its poets, George was 17 when he sent his mother two sonnets on New Year's Day, treating the theme that the love of God is a fitter subject for verse than the love of women. In a letter accompanying two sonnets, he vowed that my poor abilities in poetry shall be all and ever consecrated to God's glory. This was a foreshadowing of his vocational life and poetry that would influence other poets such as Samuel Taylor Coleridge, Jared Manley Hopkins, T.S. Eliot and W.H. Auden. His poems are always passionate, searching and elegant. And Herbert described his poems as a picture of of the many spiritual conflicts that have passed between God and my soul before I could subject mine to the will of Jesus, my master, in whose service I have now found perfect freedom. When King James had died, Herbert's sponsors at court were out of favour and he resigned as orator. The death of his mother, however, led him to make more decisive changes in his life. He separated himself finally from Cambridge and went to stay at Dauncey House in the countryside. He married, consolidating his relationship with the Danvers family and easing his transition to life in Wiltshire, where he seemed to be gravitating. By the end of 1630, Herbert was ordained a priest and settled into the small parish of Bemerton, ordination as a priest occurred today on September the 19th, 1630.
and he became friends with Nicholas Farrar, who had founded a religious community at nearby Little Gidding, and devoted himself to his rural parish and reconstruction of his church. He died young of tuberculosis, and from his deathbed, he sent a manuscript volume to Farrar, asking him to decide whether to publish it or to destroy it. There's a collection of his poems, and Farrar published them with the title The Temple, Sacred Poems and Private Ejaculations in 1633. The temple included doctrinal poems, notably The Church Porch, first in the volume, and the last, The Church Militant. The church porch is intended as a kind of secular catechism, instructing a young man in basic moral principles and manners to prepare him for life in society, and more important, entrance into the church. A place where he will encounter moral and spiritual problems of a different sort. Much of the book's early popularity there are at least 11 editions of the temple in the 17th century. There was something to the carefully crafted persona of Holy Mr. Herbert, promoted by Farrar. In a few short pages, he sketches Herbert as one who exchanged the advantages of noble birth and worldly preferment for the strains of serving at God's altar one whose obedience and conformity to the church and the discipline thereof was singularly remarkable, and whose faithful discharge of the holy duties to which he was called made him justly a companion to the primitive saints and a pattern or moray for the age that he lived in. Considering the religious strife at the time between Catholics, Anglicans and non-conformists in England, Farrar helped establish Herbert as a model of harmonious, orderly, non-controversial devotion, for whom faith brought answers and commitment to the social establishment, not divisive questions and social fragmentation. These tensions would later explode into civil war and regicide. See the podcast of January the 30th. So this image of Herbert as a primitive, holy and heavenly soul would become a subject for nostalgia, one who lived and died in peace. For some, not only was he a primitive saint, a throwback to the church of a simpler era, but a prefiguration of the ideal restoration clergyman, well-born but socially responsible, educated but devout, experienced in the ways of the world, but fully committed to the ways of the church, and knowledgeable about both the pains and the joys of spiritual life. To give a sense of his intense devotion, the 21 poems of Passio de Serpta each focus on some aspect of Christ's crucifixion. The poems are intensely, even grotesquely, visual. But Herbert's prevailing emotion is calm wonderment, rather than ecstatic excitement. 
The description of the passion of Christ is remarkably dispassionate. But the poetic witness is not cold or distant, but is moved primarily by the redemptive purpose, rather than the melodramatic circumstances of the crucifix. He is transfixed and indelibly marked by what he witnesses. I, joyous and my mouth wide open, am driven to the drenched cross. And he is well aware that the death of Christ crushes the world and, as he imagines it, grinds the human heart to powder. But these poems, as baroque and intense as they may seem to be on the surface, are written from the secure perspective of one who feels at every moment that the inimitable sacrifice of Christ lightens all losses. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the evangelization of Korea. To make our archive easier to access, we start to group our podcast into themes. So if you visit www.progp.net, the second group on literature is going up this week from Shakespeare to Dante. And if you'd like to give any feedback, you can email us on pogppod at gmail.com. If you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends and have a lovely day wherever you are. And thanks for listening.